Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Man, anybody get hit by that sickness bug going around? No? Wow, I must feel blessed then. Um, There is a lot of sickness going around. Uh, It felt very odd this morning, uh, worshiping without my wife here, but unfortunately, at 3 a.m. this morning, uh, the wheels fell off for her, and uh, I blessed her with what I dealt with. Uh, Thursday, it started for me, uh, just hit me quickly and hard and, and was uh, not pleasant at all. So I'm kind of on the upswing, but you'll have to excuse my voice this morning. I'm gonna struggle through, but um, I believe the Lord wants me here and, and he's gonna give me the energy uh, to get through this. I don't know what I'm gonna sound like second service, but we'll worry about that then. You're here now, right? But... Um, I know there's some stuff going around. We uh, had some volunteers call off also. So uh, just, uh, you know, it, it kind of makes a good point. Last week we talked about uh, ServeLink and I want, there's that fly. That fly has been living in this campus since we opened a year and a half ago. I, it's the fly from hell, I'm not kidding you. Yes, your pastor just said that on stage because I am convinced That fly is a demonic presence of Satan himself in this place. Dan, this week, we're getting that fly, whatever it takes. I mean, whatever it takes. I have had it. Right on my face, he landed. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Dan, you gotta have my, if you see him, you can charge me. I don't just start swinging, man. I'll sacrifice myself, just start swinging. I'm not gonna deal with it today. Oh my goodness. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Um, a good example, ServeLink last week, 21 people from this campus signed up. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, uh, the rest of you are like, whoo, goosey, they didn't need me. That's not true, that's not true. And this week is a prime example of why we do need people to serve. Thank goodness um, we do have people that were able to fill in in certain spots this morning, and, and that's really what church is about, you know, helping one another. So I am so thankful that we have so many people that are willing to serve in any and every role. We talked about that last week, right? Every part is important. And if you're still thinking about that and you're still kind of on the bench and you're not in the game, you can still go to the hub and sign up and get in the game, Amen. You're like, man, I thought the pastor was done talking about that. I am not, I am not. Uh, so let me, let me ask you a question. This week is kind of part two of, um, of serving here at GT and being part of GT and feeling connected to GT. This is group link. You probably noticed when you walked in again, all the tables and balloons and sign-up sheets. And that's what we're gonna talk about um, because one of the questions we often get here at GT Being a larger church, um, our main campus right now has a 1,000 people at first service. That's a pretty large church. Uh, It's not about numbers, it's about people. Um, But how do you stay connected to one another when there's that many people? Like, how do you get to know one another? Here it is, it's easier to do that if you choose so, but it can be difficult. And we're a big advocate of life groups. 20 years ago, we would simply call them Bible studies. Just change the name. It's what it is. We are doing uh, life together as a group. It's the only reason we call it that, um, life groups, is because we're doing life together as a group. And so today, my purpose is to provoke you to get into a life group. Now, 
Let me ask you a question first, because that word provoke is not usually used in a kind way. Do you agree with me? Okay, name me something that provokes you. Don't say your spouse, please. I started enough trouble last week. Don't look at your spouse, don't touch them. Just look straight ahead right now, even if it's true. All right, just, I'm trying to help you. Some of you are so hard, like just starting to say, don't look, don't look, look straight ahead. Look at your feet if you have to, be a junior higher, all right? That always gets them out of trouble. But name me something that, that provokes you in life. Bad drivers. Bad drivers. Who said that? Man, I'll tell you what, Berks County is the king and queens of bad drivers. Don't eat, you're provoking me right now. All right, what else, what else provokes you? Okay, let me give you some example. Oh, say, say it, I, didn't, I missed it. Kids. And she's gonna start working in kid ministry. And everybody's like, yikes. <laughs> she loves them, she really does. But if you have kids, Angela, you're, yes, is all I can say. I've been through four, still have one in the house. Um, here, here's some things, I, I have a list of things that, that provoke me in not such a good way uh, to have thoughts that really aren't biblical. And it is uh, long lines at the grocery store. Just, you got, you got two things you need. And it seems like everybody in front of you has 14 carts full of things. And nobody has the, the sense to go, oh, you only have two things, go in front of me. They just look at you like you got 18 heads. Berks County, right? Provokes me a little bit. Or uh, how about long lines at an amusement park that you just second mortgaged your house to go to, you get there and the wait time is two hours for a 45 second ride. Doesn't that just bless your heart? <laughs> Provokes you. And then, oh, don't stop there. You got that wonderful person in front of you that all of a sudden, oh, excuse me, my family had to use the restroom and then 89 people cut in front of you. Doesn't that provoke you a little bit? Line jumpers. All right, all right, calm down. How about, uh, uh, we'll go with the driving thing. How about just driving on 222? Isn't that just a calming, beautiful experience in your life every day? Your cup of coffee, everybody obeying the speed limit, using the fit, go ahead in front of me, no tailgating, right? Says no one ever. Uh, uh, how about when someone is just rude to you? Then that just provoke you? Or, or, or how, about, how about when someone, we'll, we'll go even further. You ever been insulted? I don't mean behind your back, I mean to your face. Doesn't that just provoke? Doesn't that just rise something up in you? Or just simply mistreats you? All these things can be very, very provoking. But you know what, what's, what's interesting Jesus addresses this in Matthew 5. Do you know, anybody know what he says? Matthew 5? It's the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I don't know about you, but I don't feel very blessed when those things happen in my life. And what's interesting, I did a, 
a word study on the word provoke in the Bible because I was asking a couple of people, when you hear the word provoke, what, what is, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And, and it wasn't good answers. Provoke is used 33 times in the Old Testament. Every time, it's the Israelites provoking God to anger and wrath because of their disobedience. It's used nine times in the New Testament. It's used twice in a positive sense, in 2 Corinthians and Hebrews that we're gonna talk about. And I think it's, I know that it's used intentionally in Hebrews because the word provoke, the best definition I can give you is to stir up, stir up. If you're making something or you're cooking something and you put all the ingredients in, you don't just throw them in a pot and you put the lid on, you have to stir them up. You have to provoke it. You do it for, for, for good, for a reason, to get a, a response. It's the only way that soup is, is going to taste good and, and by stirring it up. And listen to what the author in Hebrews chapter 10 says. It says, and let us consider, think, let us think about this. Let us consider how to provoke that specific word, stir up. Let us consider how we can provoke or stir up one another to love and good deeds. Wow. It's interesting that the author uses that specific word, provoke. And I think there's a reason for it, but let me read the rest goes on to say, not neglecting to meet together. He's talking about a body of believers right now. You have to understand the context at the time is they didn't have church buildings. They met in people's homes to have church, to worship together, to break bread together, to teach and learn together. That's how church was done. And the author's saying, when you do that, I want you to stir up one another in in love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So for some people, the habit is, yeah, go to church. You know, we, we got this C and the E's. Does anybody know what a C and an E is in church? They come in Christmas and Easter. And listen, I'm, I'm glad for every person that comes at Christmas and Easter. It's an opportunity to share the gospel. Many of people have received Jesus at Christmas and Easter, but it's kind of heartbreaking because they're, they're missing the rest, they're kind of ripping themselves off. And so this was happening back then. And so he has to address it. And he goes on to say, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the return of Christ. And he's trying to emphasize, listen, church, Christ followers, what we do on a Sunday morning is so, so important in our walk with Christ, in our walk. Amen. But there's more than just meeting for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday. Amen. And we believe that here at GT, and, and that's why this specific Sunday is so important to us to give you that opportunity to take the next step because I'm a firm believer that, that there is no way Jesus ever intended for a single soul 
to try to work their faith out by themselves without the church body around them. Thank goodness for the church body. If it functions correctly, it is a beautiful thing to pick one another up, to encourage one another, to help one another, love one another. That is what the church body is for. And I, and, and I just love that I say, sometimes, and Marlene's not here this morning, she has to provoke me to do some things. Does anybody have a cat? I am so sorry if you do. Listen, listen, don't hate me. Don't shut down on me. I don't hate my cat, but I do hate the litter box. I hate everything about it. I hate the smell of it. I hate the look of it. I hate cleaning it. And I don't know how this happened in my life. Because I always said, and we agreed in our marriage covenant to the Lord Jesus, that there would be no pets because I had my share of pets. Because somehow that pet always becomes my responsibility. And I don't want it because I have enough responsibilities. I love dogs. I love cats, gerbils, hamsters, snakes. I don't care. Whatever you have, good for you. But I hate the litter box. There's nothing enjoyable about it. And you can't disagree with me or you're messed up. And so Marlene has to provoke me in love sometimes Honey, I did it the last 89 times. Can you just clean it once? <laughs> you know, my back, I can't quite, I don't know. Oh, honey, but it would, she has to provoke me, stir me to do it. Sometimes with a bat. No, just kidding. Sometimes we need to be stirred in our life. Sometimes good intentions aren't enough. And thank goodness we have others around us who can stir us in love and encourage us, amen? That's the church. I experienced how important this is early on in my walk with Jesus at 18, 19 years old. When I accepted Christ, I didn't realize that everything in my life would have to change. And some changes were very difficult. One of the changes I realized that I needed to make were my friends and the environments that I put myself in. And I remember getting saved and totally radically transformed and loving Jesus and loving church and loving and growing and all of those things, but I really didn't have friendships with anybody at that point. And so during the week, I would go back to the friends. They were still my friends, but all of a sudden, I wasn't being provoked in love and encouragement, I was being provoked to go back to the things that I was doing previously. And I remember specifically being at a Super Bowl party surrounded by those things that I shouldn't have been, realizing I cannot do this anymore. This is not helping my walk with Christ. This is making it more difficult. I am not growing. There is nothing healthy about this. And I remember talking with a few of my closest friends saying, listen, I hope we can still be friends, but I cannot be in this environment anymore. I can't. And I would say probably 95% of them could have cared less. And there were a few that we still remain friends outside of that environment. 
But I realized at that point how important church was and how important it was being around other believers. Now, I wasn't to shelter myself. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus walked in the world also, but he didn't become like the world. And that's, that's a difficult thing. So it's why the church and being part of the church is so important. And I realized that early in my life, but I know it can be very, very challenging. Here would be something very good for you to write down this morning. I hope you still take notes because it's better to, to retain that. It's easier to retain something if you write it than try to remember it. And so here's the bottom line today. Here, here in one sentence is the bottom line of my hope for you. If you want to be a biblical Christian, and I hope you do, a biblical Christian living according to the word of God, the word of God, not the word of the world or the word of this guy or that guy or this YouTube phenomenon or this book, and there's some good, what? If you wanna be a biblical God-fearing Christian, you need to be in a biblical community. If you wanna be a biblical Christian, you need to be in a biblical community to grow for care, for support, for encouragement, for accountability in your life. Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians really, three bullet points, if I could just narrow it down and tell you what the book of Ephesians is, the letter from Paul to the Ephesians is broken down in three bullet points. Here are the three meanings that Paul had to write this letter to that church. This would be really good to write down too. Look at your neighbor and say, write it down, because some of you aren't doing it. Go ahead, look at them. Write it down. If it's your spouse, give them the eyebrow. Write it down like you mean it. There you go. All right. Three bullet points to the book of Ephesians. Number one, Paul wanted to reinforce their unity with Christ and one another. He wanted to encourage them and reinforce just how important, church, listen, unity is. The devil is still using the same tools to, to disrupt churches and it's division and deception. If I can get you talking about her and her talking about him, got us. Unity is broken. It's the biggest disruptor in relationships is when unity is broken and disrupted. So Paul, as an encourager, the apostle Paul, tries to reinforce their unity with Jesus, thus their unity with one another. Second reason, Paul wrote this letter, to stay vigilant against the spiritual attack. Christian, I'm talking to you. You will, you may be right now, facing a spiritual attack in your life. I will never tell a new follower or a follower of Jesus, your life's gonna be there may be seasons of that, I believe that. But I'm telling you, in my experience of 30 plus years of following Jesus, when I start making a difference for the kingdom, it gets the enemy's attention. Because his job, John 10, 10, is to kill, steal, and destroy. But if I'm living for him and doing his work, he's gonna leave me alone. But when I start making an impact for the kingdom of God, I've got his attention. 
But I also want you to know this, greater is he that is in me that is in the world, and I have the Spirit of God living in me. So I can resist that attack and overcome that attack. But Paul is trying to encourage the Ephesians, stay vigilant in your spiritual attack. Stay prayed up. Stay connected to one another. Stay united to one another. Because if you're hurting, remember he talked about the body? If there's one part of the body hurting, the whole body hurts. The whole body is affected. I can stub my toe and it messes my whole body up. And it's the same illustration as if one of us is hurting, the whole church should hurt. We should be praying for one another. So Paul's reinforcing that. The third one is to encourage believers to live as new creations in Christ. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a different person. Your thinking should be different. Your actions should be different. Your speech should be different. The way you think, the way you talk to everything. You are a new creation because the Spirit of God now lives inside of you and now there's this conviction of right and wrong. Not right and wrong that mom and dad taught you or a right and wrong according to the word of God. You live with a conviction now. And so he's trying to encourage believers to live as new creations in Christ. And so I'm gonna read here Ephesians 4, 11 through six. I'm gonna pick it apart a little bit. It says, so Christ himself, Jesus, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip people for the works of service. Jesus has appointed these people. Doesn't make them any better than anyone else. I wanna reinforce that. Pastors, apostles, prophets, if, they, if you start here, hearing them elevate themselves to a place of they, they're better than you, they're more spiritual than you, be careful, be careful. The higher you elevate yourself, the longer the fall is. Humility. Jesus walked in humility, and so should we. But don't cast your gifts to the side. Maybe God has that calling in your life right now. Maybe there's someone sitting here with a calling to be in the pastoral ministry. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I have to wonder every Sunday, who's the next pastor? Who's gonna lead this campus when the, when the Lord calls me away one way or another? I pray for that person. I don't know who it is, but I care about this body. Do you see? See? A devil. Every time I'm, I'm preaching and see, he's like, I'm gonna distract him. In the name of Jesus, he's gonna drop dead by the end of this service. If it takes a bolt of lightning from Jesus himself, Lord Jesus, drop that fly. Not today, devil. Mm -mm. See, I was just gonna talk about, about an evangelist too. Who's the next evangelist? Uh-huh. Ain't a fly, I'll tell you that. Unbelievable. You know, we're looking at getting a camera here so we can record these. I am so thankful we don't have that today. I am so thankful we don't have that today. I know it's being recorded, but I know Andrew back there can do some magic and cut some stuff. All right, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's for Jesus. Jesus has given those gifts for his kingdom to advance 
his kingdom. Until we all reach unity, there's that word again, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Mature. How do you become mature in something? There's a lot of different ways. There's learning, there's teaching, there's applying, there's being humility, studying, so many different ways you mature. But here's what I know about every one of them. If you wanna mature, you wanna get better at something, it's gonna take work. And whatever you're passionate about, you will put the work in whether it's your career, your family, sports, whatever. If you wanna get better, I don't know any athlete that has gotten better by just being like, ah, I'm just gonna watch some film. I'm not gonna practice anymore. I'm not gonna go to the coach for help. I'm not, I'm just, no, it doesn't work like that. Coming to church once a week on Sunday and thinking you're gonna grow in your relationship with Jesus I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. L listen, listen to what Paul says in the next verse. It's gonna get a little tough. Put, put your seatbelt on. Go ahead, pretend like you put a seatbelt on. That's my youth ministry coming out. Listen to this next verse. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blows here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Let me go back to the beginning. Then we will no longer be infants. What is it? Baby bottle. These are important if you have a baby, aren't they? Like, I've had my share of it, cleaning them, is it clean, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I've, I've had my share, but I couldn't wait to be done with the baby bottles in my house. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Here it comes, Dan. I know you got my back. How many of you are still using a baby bottle in your faith? How many of you, you haven't weaned off the baby bottle? If you are still attending once a week and you think that's enough, it is. It's about as much nutrients as this bottle will give you. It's just enough to sustain you. But you're not gonna grow. You're not gonna mature. You're not gonna be what the Lord has created you to be because you are still on the bottle. I know that's tough. I'm not here to insult you. I'm not here to point my, it's, it's your choice. It's your choice. And Jesus isn't gonna twist your arm and the Holy Spirit's not gonna give you flat tires every Sunday and that's not gonna happen because God's given us a beautiful thing called a free will. Oh, he'll convict you. 
And you'll come in here and you'll maybe, the pastor will do, and then you're like, yeah, maybe he's right. I don't like him. He's a jerk. Why does he do that? And that's gonna stick in my head every time I see a baby bottle. Well, that's kind of the intent. It's kind of the intent. But it's your choice. You good with the baby bottle? Monday morning, baby bottle. Maybe I give Jesus a quick, hey, thanks. Give me a good day in Jesus' name. And then Jesus will give you these opportunities throughout the day and bring you a coworker who's just struggling and needs some hope and encouragement, and you miss it. And then the Holy Spirit's like, man, you haven't read your word in a while, you know. Just starting a book of John or some Proverbs or Psalms or something. I just don't have time. I gotta get my kids there. You know what? I'll do it tonight. You're still in the bottle. And Paul's just giving it to him straight. I mean, how much more clear can it be? Then we will no longer be infants. So what happens if we stay on the baby bottle? This is, this is what's gonna happen, and I've seen it. I, I wish I wouldn't see it. But I have seen Christians come into a point in their life where life gets kind of tricky and it gets tough and, and just life happens and hard things. And then all of a sudden, where's God? Why is God doing this? And, and their faith just goes down the toilet because they don't have any faith to stand on because they're still on the baby bottle. And then the devil wins because he creates a division. And he asks the same question, well, did God really say that? And Paul addresses it. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves of life, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their de deceitful scheming. There's some evil, wicked people out there. And now we have this wonderful, just kidding, called the internet and YouTube, and, and you can find anything you want to agree with any point of view you have. And there are some slick people out there. There are some slick people. And you're saying, there's no way, I, I'm smarter than, there's no way the Lord would let that happen. And I would have to say to you, how could one man convince the world that it was okay to kill six million people? You think it doesn't happen? That happened. That happened as the world watched because he was deceitful and he was scheming and he was a really good talker and convincing. We can't be on the bottle anymore. And Paul's encouraging him, come on. Look, we, we gotta help, we're in this together. You and me need to be in this together. If your faith is weak, then my faith needs to be strong for you. And vice versa, if you're hurting, then I need to be here for you. That's what it's about. And I get it. it's always easier to just, just walk out, feel a little conviction. What? I get it. It's always harder to make a move and do something than do nothing. But you'll stay on this. Your choice. He goes on to say, instead, so there's the bad news. <laughs> there's the bad news. 
If you do this, if you stay immature in this world and you don't go in Christ, you are gonna be deceived. You're gonna be tossed back and forth. The world's gonna mess you up and you're gonna live in a constant agony. You try and live in the world and try and live for Jesus and you're gonna go back and forth and you're gonna be taught exactly what Paul says. And I love that Paul doesn't just leave the church there. But he says, verse 15, instead, I got the answer. I wanna help you. I love that. Instead, speaking the truth in love. I'm speaking this in love. It may be a little hard to hear, but I'm not doing it to condemn you. or point. I'm not pointing my finger at anybody but I need to speak the truth in love because I care for you. If my kids are heading down a road that they shouldn't, I've got to pull them to the side because I love them. And if I've got to speak hard truth to them, I'd rather speak hard truth to them then than try and rescue them from the garbage that they get into. That's what Paul's doing. And so he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect Fullness, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. <sighs> There's hope. So you're telling me if, if I do what I'm called to do, then I'll grow and be mature and I won't lack anything. That's what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you that life's gonna be perfect. It's still gonna throw curveballs at you. But when you have your feet on the rock and the firm foundation, you can be sure that Jesus is going to be there and supply everything you need, including one another. So he's like, instead of the bottle, grow up. Speak the truth in love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ Jesus. From him, Jesus, from him, the whole body, that's you and I, now he's talking about the body of Christ, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He uses the human body as this beautiful word picture of how the church should work. Oh, you're down? Let, let me get a couple brothers over here to help pick you up. When one part of the body is hurting, you, you go to the doctor and he says, well, this is what you need to do. Maybe you need to get, to get into rehab and you need to, and you go and, and, and those people who've been trained help you get your knee back in shape or whatever it is. The church should operate the exact same way. Do you know what I, one of the things I love doing here at church is I love, I love to, to get people together. Because if I know somebody that has experienced what you experienced and Jesus brought them through it and I can connect you, oh man, great things happen. Great things happen. Oh, you, you struggle with addiction? Man, I know somebody that's overcome that. Can, do you mind if I, do, do you wanna meet them? Because I think they can help you with that because you're gonna see how Jesus worked in their life and they can say, I know how you feel and you can walk through it together. It's beautiful. It's what a life group is doing life together. There is pretty much every option out there for you. Every option. We have cancer survivors. I don't know about you, man, but I think every person in here has been affected either by cancer or you've known somebody that's had it. Ugly disease. 
painful. My grandfather, I watched it. It's painful. Would you love some support? Would you love to be able to talk to somebody that's walked through that? You don't have to do it alone. You know that, right? Healing hearts is another one. There's so many, uh, 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 celebrate recovery for addiction is out there. Not just addiction to drugs, please don't. This is for people who've been affected by addiction. Oh, I know so many parents that are hurting because their children bound by addiction and they feel alone. Celebrate recovery. Men. Men. Man, we can be knuckleheads sometimes. Come on. Get mad at me all you want. I don't care. It's true. And all the wives said, that's right. That's right. I heard a man's voice in there. That's all right. <laughs> know who you are. Men's groups. Pastor Brandon leads one and does an incredible job. Dennis and Matt. We got lots of options here. Women's groups. Just give you a little insight. Marlene and I were, we've led many life groups, have been in many life groups. And it's like, should we lead one? And we went back and forth because responsibilities and she started a new job and all those things. And we looked at each other and we just knew that we knew we need to make room to do a marriage group. If we truly believe in this church and the power of Jesus, and we know how marriages are being beat up and struggling in this world, then we gotta do this group. And so Marlene and I are gonna lead a marriage group and we are so excited. We've done this before. Now some of you getting all antsy right now. Oh no marriage group. My wife's going to make me go to this. I hope she does. I hope she does. Especially with that attitude. Here's what I would say to you. I'd rather see you in the marriage group in three weeks than in my office in three months. I don't like those meetings. Those are tough. Those are tough. So do whatever it takes. Do the right thing. I want you to just take a moment and there's candy on the table so you can grab one. Just go to the table like you're getting the candy and go through all the different groups and just pray. If you came with someone, talk to them. Marlene has a prayer group. Her great things about it. Growing together at GT. If you really want to get connected to this church, you got to go through that. It's awesome. You gotta be able to know what this church believes. It's important and it's fun. It's fun. There's young adults, which has been on my heart forever. Cause I'll tell you, there's something happening at GT with 18 to 25 year old young people. They are hungry for God. And I am so thankful for Pastor Luke and his wife who's leading 60 to 80 young adults on a Sunday night. That's a big deal. Don't you tell me this generation isn't hungry for God. They absolutely are. So there's all kinds of options out there. So it's up to you. 
If you came in with this, leave it. I mean it, leave it. It's time. It's time to get serious with your walk. Here's what I believe the Lord wants for every Christ follower. He wants us to grow, not be stagnant, not stand still, not say this is good enough, Sunday's good enough, I've given the offering, what more do you want from me? Well, the Bible says to grow, to grow. And you can't grow in everything alone. You can't. I believe in some, the second thing he wants us to do is become mature. We just read it. Become mature. I'm not telling you have to be a Bible scholar, a theologian, but you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know how to study the Bible. You need to know how to interpret the Bible, and then you'll be able to live according to the Word of God, not just through mouth, but through deed and knowledge. It's very important to grow and mature. And I believe Jesus wants us to be held together by one another. Where I think we're seeing more and more that the world is not that friendly towards followers of Jesus. And to be biblical, I wish I could say, hey, peace on earth, it's gonna get better. No, it's not. I wanna be surrounded by fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I wanna reach people and grow together. When you walk out, look straight ahead. That's our mission statement here at GT. And we believe in that. And I hope it can be your mission statement also. I'm gonna read one Psalm. And I'm gonna pray and release you. Although I do wanna mention, if you came in here with a prayer request, please don't ever go with it. That's, that's not good. We have a wonderful prayer team always ready to pray with you, to pray with you. If you're a life group leader, I wanna release you now. Go out to your table. Make sure you have enough peanut butter cups because I think they're gonna come out of there just hungry, hungry for more and hungry for peanut butter cups. So if you're a life group leader, go out to your table. I'm gonna head out after I'm done. This is what Psalm 92 says, beautiful. This is what will happen if you do those three things. If you grow, mature, and be held together. This is how the psalmist describes it. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Oh, I love palm, anybody love palm trees? Oh, I wish I was under a palm tree right now. Okay, that's not my notes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, one of the largest, most strong trees on earth. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God. And they will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. I don't wanna ever feel like I've arrived as a Christ follower. Well, I've read through my Bible 19 times. I know all the authors. I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm just good. No, no, I wanna be that old man in my chair with my bold coffee, hopefully looking at a palm tree, reading my Bible, seeing something 
the Lord's like, oh, you know what? I never really realized that before. And have God continue to speak to me. I'll, I'll share something pretty, pretty intimate and private with you. And this, this is the Lord's will. Because people have asked me and Marlene have talked about you know, what, what retirement and all of that. I, I don't want to ever retire and just sit around and be grumpy. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be useful for the kingdom. But I want to be able at some point to set my own hours. But Marlene and I would love to move where it's warmer year round. Makes my achy bones feel better. But then you know what I would love to do as an old pastor? I'd like to find a young gun on fire for Jesus who's starting a church and hasn't got it all figured out. And I'd like to find that guy and just say, hey, how can I help? How can I help? Because that's one of the greatest things a pastor can hear from anybody. Amen. And I've heard it like three times in my 30 years. How can I help you? I mean, sincerely, how can I help this church? Tell me. And they meant it. That would be my ideal of being that palm tree, that, that cedar of Lebanon. I may be old in body, but you know what? I want to help. I want to keep working for the kingdom. How can I help? I want to stay plugged in. I don't want to be the pastor. I, I want to help you, man. I want to help you. What can I do? What can I do? So today you have an opportunity for you to get plugged in, to get in a group. I know some of you are thinking, well, I just, you know, I have a schedule. I don't know. I can't do it. Listen, we're all busy. Don't, don't do that. I'm busy. Welcome to the world. We're all busy. I haven't figured out how not to be busy yet. You make time for what's important period. Okay? That's non-baby bottle talk right there. You make time for what's important. So if you want to do life with someone and you want to grow in your faith and become mature and have fun. Listen, my, our life groups are fun. We laugh. We joke. We cry. We pray. We eat some good food. <laughs> it's up to you. Lord, I just pray this morning for all of us, God, that we make the right decision this morning, that we have a great opportunity to advance in our faith together. So I pray that you lead and you guide and you direct people this morning to where you want them. God, help us all to throw the baby bottle away. We want more of you this morning. We want to be the body of Christ that you created us to be. God, I pray for those who may be winging it alone. I pray that today it stops, that today they'll take a leap of faith, of courage, and say you're doing it. So God, have your way and help us to be obedient this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And the church said, Amen, amen, amen. You are released. I love you guys. I really do. I hope you're not mad at me. Take your time leaving and go check out the tables.